Hello and welcome to the Highway to Health Show. My guest for today is Christine Kenny, a certified health coach with a master's in social work and a background in psychology and psychotherapy. While she trained and worked as a psychotherapist, she decided to pursue further education as a health coach after realizing that her own health was suffering and she did not have the answers to correct it. Now, as a certified health and life coach, she's made it her mission to help as many people as she can to kick their sugar habits and feel confident in their own skin. In this episode, we talk about the effect that sugar had on her health, why it was so hard for her to give it up, and how she finally managed to be in control of her cravings. We also explore how she currently helps her clients do the same. Needless to say, this is advice that is valuable for many, if not all of us. Now, before we go on to today's episode, I want to remind you that we're still taking applications for our group coaching program. To learn more and to apply, just head on over to dr.e.show for slash coach. In any case, I don't want to keep you any longer. Here's my conversation with Christine Kenny. And remember, you are on the highway to health and I'm your guide to get you there. Are you ready to live ageless? Want to discover alternative health choices, cutting edge nutrition, and fitness for the entire family? Welcome to Highway to Health Show with your host, Dr. E, the stem cell guy, where Dr. E helps you live ageless. And now, here's your host, Dr. E. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Highway to Health Show. I am joined today by Christine Kenny, and you are a sugar addiction expert in a way. Is that correct? I love that. And you know, yeah, I would say that's, I love it. I love sugar. I love, you know, that kind of started my journey as a health coach and going to the health coach. I was a certified and a psychotherapist for about five years and stress, anxiety, coping mechanisms just weren't there. So I found myself after dinner, laying on my couch, eating that sleeve of Oreo cookies or fighting that sugar whenever I could. So, you know, I couldn't figure out how to, how to get rid of it. I went on multiple diets, you know, tried different things to kind of kick that sugar habit. And I couldn't, it was all deprivation and that quick fix and nothing seemed to last. So I decided to go back to school and become a certified health coach and really figure out how can I make this last? How can I get rid of this crazy addiction around this sugar. And yeah, that's why I'm here to get that sugar, kick that sugar. Good. That sounds amazing. But let's back up a little bit. I mean, I don't think so looking at you, but were you struggling with weight or why did you want to get rid of sugar? How was it becoming a problem? For me, it was kind of the opposite, right? So some people gain weight, some people, it just completely goes through them. And that was me. I had extreme IBS And my body just wasn't holding on to the vitamins and nutrients that I was feeding it. And a lot of that was because what I was feeding it. And also, you know, because I was so stressed and overwhelmed, adding that sugar onto it, it just, like a lot of us know, it just makes our emotions so much more out of control and also inflames the body. So I wasn't able to hold on to any of those vitamin and nutrients. So for me, I used to be an avid runner. I was cross country. I was marathon. I was half marathon. Well, it got so bad. I had to stop running altogether and I had to figure out, okay, what was going on? Well, once I lowered, you know, took out that sugar and really figured out what my body needed, I was able to cure my IBS and 
fully feel so much better in my body. Yeah, but I think that kind of goes into my question, which was, how did you figure out it was sugar? Because a lot of the times, I mean, we don't realize this, but we're eating sugar with everything that we buy. I mean, we buy a salad dressing, we think it's healthy and it's full of sugar. I mean, not to mention obviously sweets, because when people think about sugar, they think about the ice cream and the sweets and all those things. But in reality, everyday items that we buy for home, I mean, I just bought here in Spain, I couldn't find Worcestershire, whatever you call it, Worcestershire sauce, right? And I finally found it and I bought it and I started using it. And then one day looking at the label, I saw that it had a bunch of sugar in it, which was really surprising. So how did you realize that it was sugar that was causing the problem and not anything or everything else? Sure. Well, so first off, I looked at, I mean, kind of taking a look at what my diet consisted of, right? And I realized that, okay, first of all, I was, my stress and overwhelm, I was relying on these Oreo cookies, right? So, I mean, I was having, I don't know how many, a freaking sleeve of Oreo cookies every night, you know? So then what was that doing? Well, when I implemented that sugar, I mean, it was that blood sugar roller coaster went up and down. So that's when I felt the worst. So when I had that sugar, I mean, I was able as a health coach, what we do is you got to learn to pay attention to your body and what's going on in the body when you eat certain foods. So, I mean, I did go on an elimination diet at first to figure out, you know, what kind of was causing all of this? Why was I having this huge inflammation in the gut? Well, sugar is a huge inflammation. So when I figured out, okay, and I made up my plate of what I needed to be made of, well, then you figure out, okay, well, what am I still having in there? Well, all this sugar, right? All this sugar puts you on this blood sugar roller coaster. So it gets your blood sugar going up and down, causing you mood swings. So I guess to answer your question in a not in a roundabout way is looking at what my plate was made of. And after I ate those foods, how did it make me feel? You know, because I truly believe the only way you're going to know on how something affects your body is to pay attention to your body. Your body's going to tell you what it likes and what it doesn't. And for me, after I ate those sugar, I felt like crap and my body was so upset. But when I took it out, it felt so much better. And I no longer had that IBS. I had to deal with my stress too as well. That was a huge, huge part of it as well. Yeah, stress can be a trigger and push us over the edge, to, you know, especially when we're trying to hold up on something and, or we're using willpower. And I think that answers the question perfectly because what I wanted to get to, which you clearly addressed, is this awareness. And in, in several other episodes and several other conversations that I've had with different guests about various topics, not just around food, but around various topics regarding health. It is that lack of awareness in the things that we do every day. We live our lives in autopilot a lot of the times, and we accept certain ideas as truth or as fact. And the truth of the matter is, we need to really start listening to our own bodies, like you very well said, and we need to be aware. And no matter how much people tell you otherwise, if it's not serving you and you're not feeling well, then you need to start listening to that. And I think that was exactly the point that I wanted to get to. And it's something that I've shared before when I went vegan. And at first it was like, oh, this is great because it was a great elimination diet. I stopped all processed stuff. I stopped a lot of other things. And then after a couple of months into that, almost two years actually into that, I realized that it really wasn't serving me. It wasn't nutrient full. It wasn't anything. And I could have 
stuck to the thing that everyone else was saying that, oh, no, no, the thing is you're not doing it right. Or look at all these people who thrive as vegans and look at all these different things. And in reality, it just didn't serve me. Now, if it serves them, that's phenomenal. But if it doesn't serve me, then I need to be aware of that and start looking at alternatives. So, And I think that's where the diet culture comes in, right? That's why it's so hard for so many of us because you have the fab, the diet fab, and it, it tells us exactly not to listen to our bodies. It tells us, no, you need to eat this and you need to eat that. And that's where you're going to get the solutions. But that's so not true because all of us are so unique and we've just got to figure out of how to listen to our bodies so then it can last, so we can have that lasting change. Exactly. And our uniqueness goes way beyond what we look like or what we like or what we enjoy. Because when you talk about this and you mentioned it with your IBS and you talk about our gut microbiome and all the little bugs that live within our gut, they're different, the ones that you have to the ones that I have to the ones that somebody else has. So they thrive off different foods. And part of the reason why we see certain cultures who do very well with higher carb intakes or high lectin intake. So for instance, you go to India and you see people eating lentils and you see people eating rice and you see people eating all these different things. And then you take those same foods and you apply it to a different population and they start putting on weight. And part of the reason is because our gut microbiome processes these things differently. So that's also part of our uniqueness. But let's not take up all the conversation that I want to have with you about sugar, talking about microbiome. We've other episodes that we've covered that a lot. So once you realize that sugar was really the culprit, how did you go about removing it? Because it's not easy for most people, especially if somebody is really addicted to it. It's not easy to give it up. So how do you go about that? Sure. And this is so again, unique to the person, some people are fine and they can quit cold turkey and it's no big deal. I mean, I've had clients where I was like, all right, if that's what I need to do, Christine, let's do it. Let's just cut it out. And I'm like, whoa. And I'm not saying like completely zero grams of sugar every single day. I am not saying that, but I'm saying, you know, for me, it was, I had my sleep of Oreo cookies every night. You know, that's what I did. So for me, it was, okay, how can I look up different alternatives? You know, I'm never about you know, if you want that cookie, you can't have it. You know, there's not an eat and do not eat list. For me, it was, okay, so how can I lower my sugar a little bit over time? It's not this drastic cold turkey. Because me, I'm not a cold turkey person. I need to take my time. <laughs> so what I did was, okay, so first of all, ask myself at night, because that's when I want my chocolate. It's at night. You know, during the day, I don't even think about it, but it's at night. So I asked myself, okay, am I really hungry right now? Why do I want this chocolate so bad? And for some of the time, it's because I had a stressful day and I'm overwhelmed, you know, so I'm able to find other things to put into place. But if not, I, okay, well, you know what? Instead of having those huge sleeves, I'm okay with having just a couple of those cookies. So it's just taking that habit down a little at a time. So it's not that drastic cut, but it's that, okay, well, I had well, I'm used to having, you know, five cookies or some of my, you know, one of my clients is like, well, I mean, I have like three scoops of ice cream, not just that one. So let's just take it down, you know, and really lower ourselves. So we don't feel that emotional deprivation and that shame. And, you know, that wants us to keep having more and more. Well, part of the reason why we get so addicted to sugar is twofold. One, because it's psychological. But second, it's also a lot of the times it's also physical because we get used to that booze. We get used to needing that sugar rush because that really 
pushes us, uh, gives us that small burst of energy. So when you combine that with the psychological side of it, then it's harder to get rid of. Right. And that's why I had to figure out what was on my plate every day. Because what we're putting into our bodies is going to cause a sugar craving or not cause a sugar craving. So I, you know, I love to make the example, like how many of us have sat on our couch, ate a bag of potato chips, and then 30 minutes later, we're like, Ooh, you know what? Something sweet sounds really good right now. Well, when we have all that salty food, our body is going to crave that sugar, right? So for me, I had to figure out what do I need in all in my plate? What do I need in each meal to keep my blood sugar leveled so I don't get that up and down spike that's going to cause me to have that blood sugar roller coaster that's going to cause me to have those cravings that are so out of control. So I figured out I needed enough fat, fiber, and protein in all my meals to control my blood sugar levels so then I wasn't on that blood sugar roller coaster which was causing me to crave that sugar so bad. How did you get to that conclusion? It's funny that you mentioned it because you are not the first person who has said exactly those same things. I need enough, you know, fat, fiber, and protein. So was this part of your training background or was this before that, that you kind of like started tweaking and adjusting your diet or how do you come to that conclusion? It was honestly a mixture of both for sure. I mean, definitely in my schooling, you know, I mean, the protein controls six of our eight hunger hormones. So that's going to make us feel fuller longer and it's going to control those hunger hormones. And then you got your fiber, which slows down your digestion, right? And also you got that fat, which also slows down that digestion and makes us feel full. So, you know, I figured out, which again, every person is different. You know, I had a client who first thing in the morning, he needed 25 grams of sugar to keep him through the day to make him feel full. So again, it comes back to listening to your body, but the research shows us that those three ingredients help us make us feel full longer. So it's all about figuring out how much of those three ingredients do we need. For me, those kept me on even keel and those kept me feeling full because I have to admit I have a fast metabolism because I'm a runner. So that metabolism gets going. So those had always kept me feeling full longer. One of the things why it is important to recognize these things is because we need to start, like we said at the beginning, we need to start listening to our bodies, figuring out what works for us. And second, we need to realize that it's not as easy as just saying, you know what, just stop eating sugar because we need to eat to survive. Yes. Correct. So when you look at it compared to other bad habits, so think about smoking, think about excessive drinking, you can simply say, don't drink, don't smoke, don't gamble. And that's it. You can very easily, as a matter of fact, you will live healthier and, and longer if you stop those things, but you cannot stop eating. So when you still have to eat, I think that one of the most important things, because that sugar does give us empty calories, so it does give us energy, but it doesn't give us nutrition. What we decide to replace it with or what we decide to do instead of in terms of nourishment is so much more important because if you're constantly hungry, your normal drive will be to steer you towards sugar, which is what feels natural and what you know that actually gives you energy, correct? Definitely. Most definitely. And a lot of us want that, you know, like I always say, well, if we start off with that bowl of cereal, it's all about that blood sugar roller coaster. Because if you start off with that cereal, majority, there is a good cereal out there that, you know, has, but majority, there's, I know of one, I know, I know, I know of one that actually has like really... But anyway, I can share it to you for the show notes too. You can check it out. But anyway, so 
you start your morning off with a bowl of cereal, right? Well, it's full of sugar. So what do you, you know, and two hours later, you know, clients come in like, Christina, I'm hungry. Like, I don't understand why I'm hungry. Well, once you get on that blood sugar roller coaster, it's hard to get off. So that's why you have to fill your plate with those three things. So you're not hungry two hours later. Exactly. Yeah, that is so, so, so important. So tell me, now that you're working with clients, how do you actually, or how do they find you as like, do they want to get rid of sugar or are they finding you because they want to lose weight or how is it that kind of like puts you and your clients together? Sure. So the majority of the time, yes, it is, you know, their sugar addiction has just got them and they can't figure out how to kick that sugar. But also, you know, I am, you know, I touched on a little earlier that the diet culture is so challenging because I feel, you know, all these diets out there, you know, a lot of them are a quick fix or deprive yourself or shame yourself of the food. So, you know, a lot of people come to me because, Christine, I've tried, you know, these diets. I've done them for 30 days and nothing seems to stick. And I don't understand why. So, you know, that's also a lot of the part of it. You know, people want something that's real, something that they can actually sustain. And, and for me, it's, I want you to fill your plate with these healthy foods, but I also want you to go out with your friends and enjoy and have a good time. So, you know, it's more about eating the foods that fill your plate and make you feel good, but also have fun with your friends and go out and, and enjoy and don't shame and guilt yourself the next day. It's okay. No one's perfect, right? We all eat those kind of foods. So I think I get both of the clients who, I mean, let's be real. Majority of us, we eat too much sugar. You know, that's, it's just one of the parts of it. It's in everything. Like you said, sometimes you don't even realize it and your salad dressing has 16 grams of sugar. So a lot of it is the sugar intake, but a lot of it is they're sick of the diet culture and they want something that's going to last and actually learn how to listen to their bodies. Yeah, for sure. I do see that a lot with different diets because you're absolutely right. They're very dogmatic and they're very, well, these are the boundaries. And if you want to be part of the group, you have to stay within these boundaries and you cannot eat this, you cannot eat that. And, you know, at first that was popularized by, again, going into it by veganism. And it's like, no, no, no. Well, if you dare even look at an egg, then you are, you know, you, you murderer or whatnot. But but when you look at other different diets and you look at paleo, it's the same thing. And you look at keto, it's the same thing. And you look at even carnivore now, and it's the same thing. And I don't fully agree with that whole idea of, well, then you know you should also be able to go outside and enjoy yourself and eat whatever you want. Because I equate this kind of to like your credit cards and hear me out. When you first get your credit card, you have a fresh new line of credit, you can go out and you can start putting things on there. But it gets to a point where you are full of debt and you need to start working it off. And it doesn't serve you if somebody says like, well, you shouldn't stress too much about getting rid of debt because if sometimes you want to go out and have a nice dinner, you should also go outside and have a nice dinner. Well, no, not while you're getting rid of that debt that you've accumulated because of your bad habits throughout all those years. So if somebody's really struggling to lose weight because they've had a bad diet for many years, I think they do need to be a little bit strict. But what I do agree with what you said totally and completely and, and, and absolutely is that we should not be shaming ourselves for that. And we should not be feeling bad about the food choices that we make. And it's just that it's just a choice and it's just a meal and it's just food. 
So we need to start looking at it that way and stop being so emotionally invested in it. Yeah. And I think that's the most challenging part, though, Dr. E, that a lot of people can't do that. You know, I found with so many of my clients that we have so much of an emotional attachment to food. And I think that's where it comes in on if you put that, you know, you can't eat list, do not eat list, people struggle so much. And then they find themselves in an all out binge, just hands up in the air because they couldn't have those foods. So what I found that worked best was, you know, there is an eat and do not eat list. But if you fill your plate up, you know, and what I found out most and myself and my clients do as well is when you eat those good foods, your body feels so much better. And you get to a point where you're like, I don't want that food because I know I'm going to feel like crud after I eat it. So be able to have that. If you want to go out your friends, do it and enjoy it. But the majority of the time, my clients are going to choose those foods that make them feel good because, you know, they don't want to feel like crap after what they eat. Of course. And it all goes back to awareness because if people start realizing that if they're eating an autopilot, they won't put two and two together. But if they start realizing that, you know what? So for instance, and I've given this example more than once, I don't think she gets upset about it, but my wife, she's <laughs> Spanish. And that's why we're spending now some time here in Spain, right? So she grew up eating bread and eating pasta and eating all, all sorts of things, which are completely different to the bread and pasta that we have in America, right? So I grew up in Mexico and it's very Americanized in terms of the, how food is processed. And she didn't realize this for many years. And then we started becoming more health aware, both of us, especially as we were planning for our first child. And now she notices that whenever she eats bread, and it doesn't matter what kind of bread it is, she bloats. Mm -hmm. And she's noticing it. And she realized, she says, oh my God, what, why is this happening? And she had never actually, for 20-something years before she started looking at it, she didn't realize that she was probably already having all those same effects. It's not like something, it just suddenly started happening. So I think that the most important part of it is being aware of the effect that food has on us. And this is something that I've also said repeatedly here in the podcast, and it is that we're super strict with our two-year-old. So he has, up until today that he's about to turn two, he hasn't tried bread. He hasn't eaten gluten. He hasn't eaten sugar, like overtly, you know, any, mm -hmm. any sugar or anything like that, because we don't want him to be numb to those effects. Once he's old enough, then, you know, of course he can try it, but he'll be at least what we're hoping for is that he'll be aware of the effect that that food has in his body and how he feels so that next time, or when he's older and he goes out with his friends, if he knows that certain breads or certain pizzas or certain pastas don't agree with them. Instead of saying, well, everyone else is having pizza, I'll just have his slice. He'll say, you know what? No, because that doesn't necessarily sit well with me. And maybe he can have the chicken wings or he can have anything else. And I think that's what's important, that bringing awareness to what we're currently doing and how our body responds. And not because somebody else can function very well on it. This is something that happened several years ago with what's the name of the swimmer, the Olympic medalist that's got every medal mm -hmm. that there was. Um, Michael Phelps? Phelps. Yes. Michael Phelps, right? <laughs> so they put out an article, and this was back in 2008, I think, for the Olympics. They put out an article, and the guy was eating like six or 7,000 calories worth of pancakes and crap. People thought like, well, if it works for him, it's like, not quite. And even now, he's probably not eating that anymore. Right. 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 So we need to start figuring out what works for us, and we need to start getting rid of that emotional attachment that we have with food. But let me just ask you one other thing. Do you find there's a certain pushback 
within your clients in terms of removing sugar and removing all these sweets and because no diet says you should eat more sugar however we still find it hard to kind of like you know motivate people to do that yeah do you find this to be the case i mean yes and no it really depends on how intent the client is you know if they are like christine you know i'm at rock bottom i know i need to make this change and what it's going to do that for me then they're all on board. But I feel like, yeah, a lot of the times, and when I talk to people, you know, and they're just like, I'm sorry, I can't have my chocolate anymore. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that, you know, like I still eat my chocolate. Like, don't get me wrong, you know, but it's how we're eating our chocolate, you know, like, can we put some almond butter in there and do, you know, cacao instead. But anyway, so the pushback, yes, you know, I think there is sometimes But at the same time, Dr. E, when you realized how good you can feel when you eat the right foods, I mean, it's, I get texts all the time, like, oh my gosh, Christine, like it is unbelievable how good I feel with just eating these foods or on the other breath. Okay, Christine, you know, I ended up eating a Snickers bar and I feel like complete crap. Like I know how bad I feel. You know, because we work so hard, you know, with my clients, I work so hard on figuring out how to listen to our bodies, you know? So when it comes to, they go back and eat those or, you know, when we just indulge, they're like, oh, you know, actually that really wasn't worth it. You know? So maybe at first there's a little kickback like, all right, Christine, like I'm putting my health in your hands, you know, I'm trusting you here. And then really when they get to feel it, they're like, oh, wow, you know, like this feels really, really great. So, you know, I had a client who she had a wedding and so she had, they had a um, mimosa and she had the mimosa and she was like, oh my gosh, Christine, I felt like complete crud. They used to be my favorite and now I can't even eat them because I realize how they just don't make me feel good. You know, so again, it comes to the attention of, you know, when you take those steps to learn how to listen to your body, and that's what I'm doing with my clients, listen to our body, and it's going to tell you what feels good and what doesn't. Exactly. And I think, again, to agree with you to a certain extent, I think that it is people who really do the healing. I've said it before here that as health professionals, we're just facilitators and we kind of like just guide them, but it has to be them who one, make the choices and two, really it has to be their own body that kind of like does the healing. And so it's really important that you brought that up. But the other thing that you mentioned that I do want to emphasize is that is the fact that a lot of the times these foods that we feel so attached to, that we feel so necessary in our lives aren't really that necessary. And after a certain period of time, once you go back and have them, they're not even that good. Right. You know, for instance, donuts and crap and cereal and and all those things. So I haven't had Coca-Cola for maybe 14 years. Right. And at some point, I don't even remember when, uh, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, I confused my cup with somebody else's, right? And it had a straw, so I give it a sip and it was Coca-Cola. It was the most awful thing I've tried and God knows how long, right? right? And I used to like it. I used to drink so much Diet Coke and I used to do that for, you know, maybe, I don't even know, like 20, maybe 30 ounces a day of Diet Coke. And 
Now I just couldn't stand it. And people have said that repeatedly about pizzas and donuts and about their favorite candy growing up. And people think that, oh, you know what? I used to love these. And then they try them and they're like, they're not that good. Maybe they've gotten bad over the years. Like, no, you've kind of like evolved to not being numb to all that sugar, to all that crap that you were eating before, right? Right, right. I mean, because again, we're so trained to not listen to our bodies. They don't know what they're talking about, you know? We're so trained to not listen to them. So once we do start listening to them, we're like, whoa, wait, that does not feel good. You know, that is not going to give me the energy. It's going to make me tired. Yeah. What happens a lot is that we tend to not listen to our bodies because we have all this conflicting information coming at us from every other side, from the food pyramid and the dietary guidelines and all these experts. And then you start looking at the evidence of how, you know, the sugar industry paid off all of those research back in the 60s to say that eating eggs and bacon for breakfast was the worst thing and that maybe you should start, you know, getting rid of the fat and adding some cereal and doing all all those things that have hurt us so terribly bad. But we believe that to be true. So even though you weren't feeling right, it would take a lot of guts to say, you know what, those guys are completely wrong and I'm just going to stick to this. And there's people who've done it and they've thrived for all these years, but they were clearly the exception, not the norm. So yeah, that's all those things are worth mentioning. And I've said them more than once here, but it's really good to have that awareness and to have somebody else come in and say like, listen, really the big problem is the sugar. Now, before we move on, I do want to ask you something. You work a lot with clients, which I'm assuming are mostly moms and dads and relatively around commonly moms and dads. Do you also see that this is a problem with how they're raising their children? Yeah, it is, you know, and it's, it's hard because I um, actually have a six month old myself. Well, he's not, he's about to be six months. So he's not in food just yet, but in the next couple of weeks, he'll start food. And I work with a lot of moms and, you know, it's hard because they do it because it's easy. You know, they find those foods, those sugary foods, because it's easy. And what I tell them, and you know, let's start with you. And what you do is what your kids are going to do, you know. But yes, I, I do. I see it all the time in families and, and what they feed their kids for sure. Because one of the things that we've noticed over the last few years is that a lot of the times people, let's say in their late 30s, early 40s, they decide that they want to take control of their health and they want to turn their diet around. But they also realize that they've been raising their children for 5, 10, 15 years to rely so much on sugar that when they want to start changing their diets, the kids are reluctant to doing that. And because a lot of the times these kids obese or aren't overweight yet, parents just switch their diet. They work to improve their own things. They feel like they're being grounded because they're overweight. So they feel like like they're the ones being punished with this boring diet. And they keep feeding their children all that crap. And they keep allowing them to eat all these different things. And I think that's a very serious problem. We saw that firsthand. Last year, we were living in California. And my wife was impressed when she would go out for play dates, how she was the only one who actually brought home cooked meals for our baby who was one, maybe, you know, 14, 15 months at the time, everybody else was kind of like, why would you do that? Just buy them. And they come like this. And it's so much easier. At first they thought that, oh, well, these people, they're not Americanized. So they don't know how easy we have it here. But in reality, my wife was like, no, 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 I do this on purpose. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it's a great example of the easiness of it. 
we want it to be easy. You know, we do. Yeah. We want it to be. Easy. Oh, and I don't blame him. I mean, right. I think anyone who has had a baby knows how much work it is to have a baby. And then you figure out that at a certain point, you cannot just breastfeed them anymore. So you also have to figure out what they're going to eat and you have to do all these different things. So I get it. I'm not blaming anyone. I'm not trying to blame anyone. I'm just saying we need to be aware of this. And is it a high price to pay it? Sometimes it is Mm -hmm. because it does require additional planning. It does require additional effort. It does require additional pretty much of everything. But I think it's very well worth it in terms of development, in terms of brain health, in terms of just setting them up for success further down the road. And because all these sugar crap, they're marketed to children. I cannot believe how much sugar they allow to be marketed at children. Right. It is. It is crazy. You know, it's funny. I mean, also like some of the moms, you know, because we'll go on the science base of it. And, you know, I don't do a lot of science base with my clients because the majority of them are like, Christine, I don't care. Like, can you just tell me what's going to, you know, what's going to be best for my body and make me feel, you know, but I do sometimes because I like them to understand what it's going to do in their bodies, you know. And when I tell them this, some of them are like, oh, so this pertains to the kids too. And I'm like, Yes, yes, you know, it affects that sugar in you know in your kids' bodies also affecting their emotional state and could really if they're having those tantrums, that up and down cycle of that sugar and all that kind of stuff. So it's interesting. Once you look at, you know, the the little bit, just a little bit of the science based and relate that to your kids' body as well and how it affects their moods, how that sugar affects their moods as well is Absolutely. unbelievable. I- I had that conversation, one of the first episodes of the podcast with uh, Dr. Roseanne Kapanahach, and she's a holistic clinical psychologist. And what she sees a lot, she works mostly with children. And this is a lot that she emphasizes in because the development, she says that a lot of the times these children who seem to be falling behind in school, simply because they don't have the right fuel when they get to school. So they cannot perform. They cannot sit still and pay attention because they're having same thing, these ups and downs with their blood glucose and their insulin and all over the place because they can't be calm and focused simply because instead of them eating a healthy breakfast with good healthy fats, with some protein, with some fiber, they're being fed sugar, cereal, and orange juice because we thought that orange juice was great, right? And then we see that the concentrate not only has all the sugar from the orange, but also has corn syrup and all this crap. And they get there and they have this little juice box again, sugar, and (laughs) everything, even fruit, because we think that we're being healthy and it's just fruit over fruit over fruit over fruit and no protein and no healthy fat. So I think that's setting them up for failure. So it's really, really good that you're bringing that awareness to your clients, which like I said, I'm assuming are mostly also moms and dads, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. There's a really awesome documentary on Netflix. I, I think it's the magic, for some reason, I want to say the ma- the magic pill. Yes. It's amazing. Yes, I mean, okay. it, it, it shows exactly what you're talking about. I mean, it breaks down exactly what you're talking about. You know, they added in healthy, you know, whole foods to the family's diet. And the little girl, I mean, her attitude changed completely. You know, it was amazing. So I would check out that documentary. I love it. We used to see a lot of that even with children with autism. Oh, yes. Yes. Just by improving their diet and adding some more healthy fats and some more, you know, brain healthy fats you're seeing phenomenal improvements in their health and their well-being and their and how calm they are and less tantrums. So it all really starts there. But 
Christine, this has been so far a phenomenal, phenomenal, really, really good conversation. I've really enjoyed it. I'm sure that our listeners have as well. And before we move on, I do want to acknowledge you for the work you're doing, for recognizing that this was a problem and taking it on as your mission and being able to spread out the word because... In reality, I think that you're helping more than that one person that you have sitting in front of you at the time as a client, because if you can educate these moms, if you can educate these heads of families into making changes for the rest of their family, I think the impact is tremendous. So I do want to acknowledge you for the work that you're doing there. So thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. E. I really appreciate that. I absolutely love what I do. So thank you so much. That's amazing. Now, if people who have been listening to us, they want to learn more about you, perhaps even work with you. I don't know if you work remotely or, or you do virtual coaching or anything like that. Where can they go to find out? Sure. Yes, I do all types of coaching. I do in person and then I do virtual as well. So you can find me at christinekennyhealthcoach.com is my website. And then on Instagram at christinekenny, it's K-E-N-N-E-Y-Y on Instagram. So there's two Y's, Christine Kenny. And I do one-on-one coaching, which is, I have open spots now, actually. Perfect. Perfect. Well, and you know what, this episode is going to stay up there. So I mean, everyone who wants to work with you, I'm sure they can just go to your website and find out if there's still some openings there and you probably have some group coaching and other things. And in reality, one of the things, and a lot of the times I don't want people to find this as an obstacle. They say like, well, yeah, but Christine is all booked. They're like, sure. But then you can also find somebody else if, if you realize that this is the path that you want to take, because that's part of the reason why we're doing these things. Or maybe somebody says, you know, they live in Canada and they say, oh, but I really want to have a one-on-one coach in, in person. Okay, then you need to find somebody else. So in those cases, what would be your suggestions? What are your top two or three pieces of actionable advice that people should look out for when they decide to start looking for somebody or or maybe just accountability to start tackling these issues? What do you think should be their first couple of steps? Sure. Like who to look for? Well, who to look for if you think that's the logical first step. And if not, what would be the logical first step if somebody who has been listening right now and saying, oh, you know what? Yeah, I do have that brain fog. Yeah, I do feel that anxiety when I know that I won't be able to have sweets in the middle of the day or, or anything like that. Sure. Well, my first step is always look at your breakfast. So if you can fill your breakfast with fat, fiber, and protein, even if that's three eggs and some non-starchy vegetables with some olive oil on top. Or, I mean, my go-to is a smoothie because it's always crazy in the morning, right? So if I can just throw a smoothie together with some greens, some peanut butter, some collagen, and some flaxseed, I'm good to go. So I always tell people, start off with that morning high in fiber, fat, and protein. That's one thing that you can take actionable to do right now. Sorry to interrupt you. What do you feel about sneaking in an egg into that smoothie, raw egg into that smoothie? Do you ever do that? No, no, I can't. My mom used to do that for me and I didn't know. (laughs) I I didn't know that she did this for me when I was growing up. Like in the morning, she would just whip a couple of smoothies for everyone and she would sneak in an egg and you cannot even taste it. And she did this for years until one day I saw her making it. I'm like, what? Where's that egg going? Like it's in the smoothies. It's, It's always been there. So, so yeah, that's, that's also something we do. And if not, at least because I do it with bulletproof coffee, so or mm-hmm. fat coffee. Mm-hmm. So I do coffee and butter and sometimes I'll just add an, a raw egg yolk, but you have to add it once it's already blending so that it doesn't cook. Okay. That's the only tricky. Oh, right. If, if it's a little if too hot and get your egg in there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, but if it's a smoothie, then you just 
put it in there with everything else. You cannot even taste it. So anyway, that was my question. No. Yeah. I, I haven't tried that. I don't know. Maybe I should just to see what it's like. You won't even be able to taste it. So, <laughs> and, and you know, you're having the good quality, right? It's, it's also for really sure. good for kids who don't like eggs. So you just sneak it in there. That's what my mom used to do. She was sneaky. I love that. I love that. <laughs> All right. So that was your first recommendation. What's, yes. what's your next? Two um, so my second one is, you know, if you're, you know, out there looking for just to make a change, even just small or even just, you know, any type of change, just do it small. Don't go out and start, you know, if you never, I like to use the workout one because it's just so so easier. If you, you know, haven't worked out in two months and all of a sudden you decide and you start with five days, don't do it. Don't do it to yourself because, you know, the majority of the time, 99% of the time, we're not going to stick to it because it's just too big. So just start with a small, small change when you're going to implement change. That's all I ask for. So maybe just do two days a week for 20 minutes if you didn't do it two months before. That's my second. And then my third is if you're looking to make a change with your wellness or your health and you want someone in person, find someone that listens to you. I think, you know, that so many people are kind of just throwing out that information, but all of our lives are different and we need someone that is going to pay attention to our lifestyle and then those foods that are going to work best for our lifestyle. So find someone that's going to listen to you and just give you that support and accountability. I love, you know, one of my clients when I first started, she said, you know, Christine, it's like you're part cheerleader, part tough love coach. You know, you cheer me on all the way, but then when I need a little kick in the butt, you give it to me. So, you know, find someone that'll do that for you because it, it makes a heck of a difference. It really does. That's amazing. We had a very similar conversation with uh, Dr. Nick several months ago. He's uh, on Instagram as the fittest doc. And one of the things that he said was that as a doctor, you need to be able to build that empathy with your patients. And he said, we tend to think that we will empathize with everyone, but we really don't. He said, and I don't, I don't take it bad if somebody doesn't really empathize with me and they want to have a different doctor. Same thing with a coach, because you do need need to have that link, that trust, that bond that will allow them to be vulnerable with you and that will allow you or give you permission to push them a little bit more when they need to be pushed and to kind of like be caring for them when they need to be cared for. So those are also very, very important topics. So I think that it has sadly come to a time to wrap this episode up. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. I'm sure that everyone listening to us has as well. As a reminder, everyone, you know that if you're listening to this as a podcast, you can find links to everything that Christine has shared with us, including her website, her Instagram profile, and everything else by going to your podcast app and you scroll to this episode's description and you'll see all of those right there. If you're watching this on YouTube, you just need to look below. You know where the descriptions are in YouTube by now. We're going to have all the links there. You can also find the links to our show notes and our episode notes. If you have questions, make sure to send them my way and or Christine's. And we'll see you here next week. Thank you so much, Dr. E. Not a problem. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to Dr. E's Highway to Health show, helping you learn the science of living ageless. Did you enjoy the show? Please like, share, and subscribe where you listen to podcasts. Dr. E wants to hear from you. Go to dre.show. Again, that's dre.show. 
Until next time, this is Dr. E's Highway to Health, helping you live ageless. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. What was your favorite takeaway? Tag me on Instagram or connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think. And by the way, remember that you can find the links to everything we discussed in this episode in the show notes. You scroll down to this episode's description on your podcast app and tap on the appropriate link. And before you go, remember to check out my new coaching programs at dre.show forward slash coach. See the different options, learn more, ask questions, and decide whether or not health coaching is right for you and your goals. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You've been listening to Christine Kenny and Dr. E talk about sugar cravings and how to get rid of them. Thank you for tuning in. I'll see you here next week. And remember, you are on the highway to health and I'm your guide to get you there.